0: See how it works okay so relationships romantic relationships we started with friendships and now we're moving on and so um we're gonna look at for the next few weeks what the bible says about relationships because the reality is as you know relationships are happening right how many of you have a peer who's in a boyfriend girlfriend relationship yeah everybody some of you even might be in romantic relationships, okay? So relationships are happening, but guess what else is happening? I'm not, I'm not gonna say that all relationships, romantic relationships are bad. I am gonna say that relationships are happening and sex is happening. And it's happening a lot more commonly or frequently than maybe we would think, imagine, or, or like to think. And so even though maybe you personally have said that's not an option, Good. Okay. Good. Maybe relationships aren't even an option just yet, right? Hey. Maybe. Dell's uh, class. Del's class. Mm, they might be in the annex. Might be. Fellowship. Faith. Do you have a list? We've got a list for you. <laughs> <laughs> Someone in me on this morning. All right. well, no sweat. <laughs> That's good, yeah. Okay. So, anyways, that stuff is happening, and maybe you've decided, I'm not going to be in a relationship until after high school. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've decided, I want a relationship right now. Maybe you've decided, like me, you're going to get in one when you're in kindergarten. Yeah. Samantha White, I'm thinking about you this morning. So... But jokes aside, right, maybe you've decided I'm not going to be in a relationship. Um, I'm not going to partake in the things that the world or maybe my classmates are doing. But this relationship series is absolutely going to be for you because relationships are happening around you and things are happening around you. Whether you have decided to stand against it and refrain from it or not, we're going to see some principles that are relevant and necessary for us as it pertains to romantic relationships. Okay, so we're going to be in Genesis 24, so if you want to flip there now, um, I'm going to ask you guys a couple questions and have you write your personal answers in just a second. Flip over to Genesis chapter 24, Emily, Emily, and so next slide, I have two questions for you. Number one. Why do people want to be in romantic relationships? So like, think about why you want to be in one or why you think other people, your friends, your classmates, your siblings, whatever. Why do people want to be in romantic relationships? What is the intrigue? What is, what is causing that desire? And then simply answer the question, do you do you want to be in a romantic relationship? I'll give you a second to write down some of your thoughts. In a minute, try to wrap up some of your thoughts there. cool picture. Do you know who those people are? No, no clue. (laughs) So if you don't know who this is, this is Brayden Best. He's my brother-in-law. And then this is Sophie Best, Seth's sister. So they just got married pretty recently. So some of these pictures are going to be from their wedding just because that's pretty relevant to to where we're going. So as we move forward with the study, you've got your answers as to why you want a relationship or why people do or if you do or if you don't. I want to give three disclaimers. Number one, you may not end up in a, in a marriage relationship someday. You might not. Because you're like, I don't, I don't want that. I'm cool. I'm content without it. And that's totally cool. And the Bible describes it. There are people who have this gift of singleness. And and you'll just plug into ministry and and you'll be happy as a, I don't know, something that's really happy. And you'll be totally cool. But many of you want to be in a relationship. And so as we move forward, what I'm going to basically do with this first morning of study uh, or this first morning of the series, and I'm going to kind of guide you towards how to make that decision in terms of when and how and where and why and all that stuff. I'm just going to pull principles from the Bible, but I want to give you two more disclaimers. Number one, in terms of when, how, why, with whom you end up in a romantic relationship, I want you to first and foremost, before me and what I say, before what your friends say, before what anyone else says, I want you to turn to God's word about what it says about who you should marry because you can't go wrong there. So if you're 14, if you're 17, if you're whatever, and you're thinking, you're wondering about this romantic relationships, you've had a boyfriend before, but you don't now, and maybe you want one, but you don't know when, you don't know who, and it's kind of just like, eh, I'm cool. Okay, well, when you start to ask those questions and you want answers, go to God's word, okay? Go to God's word first, because it won't lead you wrong. But then, As we go through this, I have an opinion about romantic relationships, personally, as a father, as a a brother, as a friend, as a whatever. I have personal preferences and biases, and I don't want those to leak out and and be the things that you cling to, right? Uh, I want it to be the Word of God and the principles from the Word of God. But if you hear bias in, in my message, what I want you to do is... If you're thinking, he, Jeff said this, but my mom and dad say this, well, I want you to, to defer to your, to your biblical parents, right? If your parents are, are, are pulling from scripture principles of how you should approach dating, go with that and, instead of my opinions, now, when I say it's the Bible says this and we have to stick with that. But does that make sense? Like if I were to say, I'm just making this up. If I were to say you can't start dating until you're 17. Well, that might be a rule in my house. That might not be a rule in your house. You see what I'm saying? So go with whatever the rules in, in the Bible say and the rules in your house. I just want to give that disclaimer, maybe for just the parents sake. If you don't have established biblical parents, though who are giving you coaching and, and, and boundaries for approaching dating, Kylie and I would love to be some biblical parents for you to kind of coach you through that. We'd love to give you some parameters, and some things to look for, but uh, defer to your parents if, if they're leading you from the word. Now, let's move forward. Let's get going. You ready? Romantic relationships, boyfriend and girlfriend. It's all over in the Bible, isn't it? How many times is the word boyfriend in the Bible? Zero. How many times is the word girlfriend, though? Zero. How many times is dating in the Bible? Uh, Zero. Hmm, okay. What about talking? Now, the word talking is definitely in the Bible, but people doing this talking that we do today or, or whatever you label it, whatever you call it. It's pretty ambiguous. And so we're going to pull principles from Genesis 24, which is Isaac and Rebecca. You know who Isaac and Rebecca are? Okay, Isaac is the son of Abraham. Abraham. Father Abraham, right? Had many sons. So sons right, and, and one of them was Isaac, okay? And he's a pretty important one. And so he gets paired. Um, with Rebecca. And that's the story we're going to look at. But before we do that, what is the most critical uh, Bible study tool that we've kind of been talking about? Context. Context. What does context mean? What's happening around wherever we're studying. So if we're studying in Genesis 24, what should we probably know about? maybe 22 and 23, right? And so we're actually going to pull our first key point from the context. The question is what has happened up to this point? And in summary, okay, you could study quite a bit um, of these previous two chapters and pull some really amazing things, but just summing them up, Isaac in Genesis 22, what happened to him? Anybody know Genesis 22? Anybody really familiar with that? (laughs) Isaac was offered on an altar of sacrifice by his father, Abraham. God told Abraham, sacrifice Isaac. Abraham's like, okay. And so Isaac went along with it. And Isaac is up on the altar. And his dad has a knife drawn. When the angel of the Lord says, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. I believe that you won't hold anything back from me. And Isaac's just like, okay. You heard him, get me down, right? So it's a pretty intense, serious, trying experience that Isaac had to have gone through, right? In chapter twenty-two. Uh, it's an intense moment. But then in chapter twenty-three, what happens? His mama dies. Okay, so <clears throat> chapter twenty-two, he's offered on on a yeah. sacrifice, on an altar of sacrifice. Chapter twenty-three, his mom dies. This dude has gone through some things right before he gets married, right? So here's our key point, number one. We're going to kind of frame this a little bit as we go. Key point number one is this. Marriage is for mature men and women, not children. Marriage is for men and women, not children. Now you might be thinking, duh. I wasn't planning on getting married anytime soon. Okay, cool. I'll tell you this. A relationship ends, a romantic um, dating relationship, dating relationship ends in one of two ways. What are they? What are the two ways that a romantic dating relationship ends? Marriage or breaking up, right? And typically, the overwhelming majority of people who jump into romantic dating relationships don't end up in marriage. And that breakup is most most likely uh, hurtful, hard, gave away your heart, gave away something that you regretted giving away to that person. Right. So if it's only going to end in that breakup, feeling awful, if you've ever been broken up with, it's terrible. I got broken up with one time, and I was literally sick for, like, multiple days. Like, stayed home and slept through through school. My parents were like, there's something wrong with this dude. I was like, yeah, <laughs> there is something wrong with me, right? It's either that or you get married. Okay, well, if you're going to get married, I guess you've got to hold purity from the moment you're in that romantic relationship all the way until the wedding night. And so, I don't know about you, but... I think wisdom says you want that period to be pretty short. So if you're 14, when are you going to get married? When you're a man or a woman. Okay, when is that? Well, for a lot of people, it's after high school and probably after college, right? So let's say 21. You're 14. So how many years do you have to be pure, to be growing, to figure out who you are? We have seven years. So does it make sense to start dating at 14? I don't know. You tell me. You tell me. The answer is no. Now, as we work through this study, okay, what you're going to do, what I'm going to ask you to do is you're going to put together a list of characteristics. So, in your notebook, you're putting together a list of characteristics that you are going to trust God. You're trusting God for his best, remember. You're going to trust God to make true of you. You want these characteristics to be true of you, but you also want these characteristics to be true of this person, that you end up marrying someday if that's what ends up happening, right? So this list of characteristics that should be true of you and of the person you're trusting God will marry you to. Now, um, we aren't settling for the first thing that catches our eye. We're going to trust God for our future spouse when we're a man or a woman. We want the best that God has to offer. We're not gonna settle for the first thing that catches our eye because the reality is you could have a relationship right now. If you don't already have one, you could have one. Everybody in here is a a fine-looking person. There's nobody that like, you know, is like repulsive. So every single person in this room, and in fact, even if you are repulsive. You can definitely have a dating relationship with someone. You can if you want to. If you're desperate enough, you can. Because what will happen is you're desperate and you'll find someone else who is equally desperate and you've got this passion and desire to be in a relationship because we yearn for it so much for whatever reason. We just need this relationship. Somebody else does that. So you've got this fire for a relationship and this fire for a relationship and they come together. And what happens? What happens? They burn up. They burn up because you didn't give that passion to the Lord God. I need a relationship, but I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to put my faith that you'll provide that for me. That's what we want to do. We don't want to rush the gun. We don't want to whatever the slogan is for going too soon. We just want to trust God to provide for us whatever he has in terms of the spouse. So this first quality that you're you're creating this list of qualities of character qualities the first quality is like we saw from our key point is you, it's right there i, I kind of we're going to kind of combine the key points and the qualities from here forward but this first quality is uh you want a mature biblical man or woman not a child right so write that down when i get married i want to be a man or i want to be a woman if you're a girl don't write i want to be a man let me just clear that up for you. If you're a girl, you will be a woman. If you're a boy, you'll be a man. And you don't want to marry a child. You don't. So ladies, let me specifically talk to you. Okay, girls want to be sought after, right? It feels good naturally to be pursued by someone, to just have the attention of someone. And, and so we girls are naturally like, oh. You, you want my attention? Hey, that's pretty cool. Whereas the guys are stereotypically wired to pursue. Girls want to be pursued. Okay, well, you're going to be pursued by quite a few fellows. You will, I assure you, because there's a lot of fellows in the world. But do not, do not. When you get to you know now or five years from now or whatever, when some, some dude who's really good looking but he's actually still a child don't fall for that, man. And so some of the, the principles we're gonna pull are gonna prevent you from falling for that, but I just, whew, like Sophie, Seth's sister, married a man. Braden's a man. He has a job, he graduated, he's got a future, he's got a five-year plan laid out. It's not like he's perfect, he's very far from it, but he's a man, he's grown, and you want that same thing. okay? So that's the first quality. Man, Now, it's not the most important quality. We're going to see probably the most important quality from our passage here. Genesis 24, verses 1 through 4. Let's read it, and then we'll we'll, uh, look at a cross-reference, and then we'll get our our second key point or or key quality of our future spouse. So Genesis 24, verses 1 through 4, it says, And Abraham was old and well-stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. What? Okay, so Abraham tells his servant, put your hand under my thigh. I don't think I can get my foot all the way up there, but. Now, what is this? This is, he's going to swear an oath. He's going to have a bond that says, hey, you're pinky promising, except it's thigh promising, right? And here's what he wants him to to swear. Verse 3. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. They're in Canaan. He says, don't take a woman from this area. Now, what are we talking about? Abraham had had moved into where God had promised to bless him. He's in Canaan. He's in this this new land. This is his new home, right? He's not among his people. He's among the people that lived there before him. He's he's in the world, but not of the world. He says, don't marry my son to one of these girls. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. So find somebody from my family, from the family. Um, sounds weird, doesn't it? Here's how, we can, here's how we can skin this cat. He's not saying, go find one of Isaac's first cousins. He's not saying that. W- what he's saying is, go find someone from the family of God. So God chose Abraham and his family. And he's saying, you go choose someone from this chosen family, not someone from outside of it. Right? So let's look at what is the New Testament parallel here. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 and 18. This is what God says to you and to me about romantic dating relationships as it regards who we end up being paired with. So it says this, be ye not unequally yoked together with what? What do you think? Second Corinthians 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with... Unbelievers. The Bible is very, very abundantly super, super clear. You should not be in a romantic relationship with someone who is not a believer. If you're a believer, dating someone who's lost is off the table. It's not an option. And the rest of the verses in this passage verses the rest of 14 and and 18, it explains it to you. But let's just be really succinct and clear. Dating someone who's lost, not an option. God's not okay with it. Neither should you. And common sense supports it. So key point or quality number two, and then I'll explain the common sense, but the key point or quality of your future spouse or of you is you need to trust God for a future spouse that is a believer in Jesus Christ, their Lord, okay? Okay. You can trust God for that. You think, well, all the Christian guys are all dweebs. They're all nerds. all losers. They're not cool. They're not cool enough for me. Okay. Well, cool. You can trust God for something that you do like that is still a believer. Right? Some people think dweebs are hot. So, got them. Right? But we want to trust God that he will bring whoever we end up with as a believer. It might not be someone in this room. Might not. Might be. Seth Miles, that man right there. Right? But we're going to trust God that whoever it is, they're saved. Now, here's here's why. Because God says so. But also, think about this. Think about this. You're like, nah, I don't really care, Jeff. I'm going to date whoever I want. Okay, cool. Let's say you find somebody, they're lost, and they're awesome. And you fall in love with them. And you marry them. And you love them a lot. Let me just propose this to you. You will be absolutely miserable if you're a believer. Do you know why? Because God made you and wired you and designed you and put a spirit inside of you so that you would serve him. And if you're yoked, if you're, if you're put under the same uh, labor as the same life work as someone who's lost, they are, not, they are not made and wired and they don't have God's spirit in them ready to serve him. So you're going to be working against each other if you go with that lost spouse, you're going to be miserable because you know you're made for so much more. Okay. But let's say you get over that. You get numb to it. You're like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. I'm not serving God. Judgment seat's a long way away. You know, I'm going to lose, you know, some opportunities. I could be sharing the gospel with people. I could be used by God. But I'm going to stick with this person because I love them, even though they're lost. They're my spouse. Okay, cool. Perfect. So you're going to spend a lifetime together with someone who's lost, that you love, to then spend eternity apart? When you guys die, you're going separate ways. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, are you kidding me? That doesn't make any sense. And you know it doesn't. We don't date lost people. Now, you be friends with lost people. You should be. You should be a biblical friend to them. Right, If you like somebody and they're lost, okay, well, they're, they're not an option. You can pray for their salvation. You can pray they get discipled. You can pray they turn into a man or a woman of God, but they're not an option until then. Does that make sense? And that's what we see from Abraham telling his servant, hey, you don't marry Isaac to someone who's from the land of Canaan. You marry them to someone who's in the family of God. And so that's what we're trusting God for. Um, it it just makes sense. And and some of you, your parents have been praying that for you for a long time since you were a baby. I know that Christine, Kylie's mom, she said, she told me when we started dating, she was like, I've been praying for your salvation since you were a little baby. I was like, what on earth are you talking about? You're a creep. And she was like, no, no, no. I've been praying for Kylie's future husband since she was a little baby. So I've been praying for your salvation. I'm like, Whoa, that's crazy. You've got people praying for your future spouse that they would be saved. Okay, next principle. Let's jump into it. Genesis 24, verses 7 through 10. It says this. Here's what Abraham continues to tell this servant. He says, The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. Okay, so how many people are involved in verse 7? How many people are are talked about in verse 7? Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and took from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and sware unto me, saying unto thy seed, Will I give this land? He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. How many are there? Huh? There's a lot. There's like five or six, right? <clears throat> Verse eight continues, and if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning that matter. And check this out. Let's get some more people involved. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand and he arose and went to Mesopotamia into the city of Nahor. Okay, so there's all these people in verse 7 and then in verse 10 it says the servant, he's going to go and find a wife for Isaac and he takes ten camels. Did he take ten camels all by himself? When you read this, you might think, yeah, that guy's crazy. How does he take care of ten camels? Well, in verse... 32, 30, yeah, 32. It says that there are men with those camels. So we'll, we'll get to verse 32 in the coming weeks, but there's a whole bunch of people involved in this process of finding a wife for Isaac. There's Abraham, there's the Lord, there's the angel of the Lord, there's the servant. There's four there. There's the 10 servants that are with the camel. Right? You're talking about a lot of people. So, what are we getting at? Proverbs 11, verse 14 says this. says, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So we see that Abraham has a large group of people. He's got a large group of people counseling the situation involved in this process of finding and providing a wife for Abraham's son. I'll put it this way. Sam says, you say you, say you like somebody, right? Sam Miles, our pastor, says that. He says, okay, so let's say you like somebody. Like, you think they're cool and you want to get to know them. What the world says is, get their number and start talking to them late at night. You'll get to know them, right? Okay. What wisdom says from here in Proverbs, what our pastor will tell young adults, grown men and women, is that, man, get to know that person in your friend group. As a group of friends, you want to go see a movie with that person? Okay, go with your whole friend group. Sit by them if you want. Sure. They're your friend. They're your sister or brother in Christ. Sit by them. Talk with them. Get to know them in the friend group. Right? And then when you're a man or a woman and they're a man or a woman, well, then and you, you feel led to and you feel peace to say, hey, let's start a romantic relationship. Right. But that process of finding and figuring that out, just like it happened with Abraham and all of his posse, it happened in a group of friends. It happens in, a, in the context of of church. It should happen in the context of f- friends. It should happen in the context of ministry, not in isolation. Does that make sense? Shouldn't happen in isolation. You don't want to find your future boyfriend or girlfriend, your future spouse and just you and them. There's danger there, right? I'll give you a couple examples. Kylie's parents were very involved in her getting to know me and eventually dating. So I went on a canoe trip this last week with the family. But I went on a canoe trip with Chris Best and Andrew Best, my brother-in-law, and my father-in-law, like ten years ago. And <clears throat> we were on this canoe trip, and we were losing canoes, and and so I remember I was I was comfortable in the water, so I'm like helping some of the I was. I was a coach, and I was helping the high schoolers to then rescue their canoes and stuff. And Chris saw that, and he was like, oh, he's a stand-up guy. He's a good guy. And so he recommended me to Kylie. And I knew Kylie, <clears throat> but he just, like, mentions it. He's not, like, hooking us up or anything. But he's like, hey, Jeff's, you know, Jeff saves canoes. And <laughs> she at the time was like, yeah, 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 okay, whatever. You know, like, we are friends, but nothing there. And uh, so then we get to be friends. And you may know the story of Kylie and my relationship. We're friends here in the context of church on Tuesday night. We begin praying together. So then we start hanging out outside of church. And her parents were very much involved. Chris was like, Jeff might be cool. And her mom was like, Jeff might not be cool, right? And she was a lot more protective. And she was like, are you sure, Jeff? Like, when she did become interested, she was a little like pump the brakes, like hold the phone. Like, you're my one and only daughter. I'm not just going to let you just ride off into the sunset with some dude, right? They were super involved, okay? And then, get this, we start dating, we get engaged. Guess who our accountability partners were? Guess who made sure we were pure? Her parents. Now, let's lay this out. Okay, so if 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 I want to cross boundaries, right? I don't want to be pure. I want to be in a relationship. I don't want to be pure. I want to cross boundaries. I want to, I want to go a little too far, right? Who do I not want my accountability partners to be? Her parents, right? Our parents were our accountability partners, and I'm glad glad for it. I'm thankful to it. Like, that was a great system because I don't know if you've seen Dr. Chris Best, who was an outside linebacker in college football, but when you sit at the table and you have to say how you've been doing in your purity with his daughter, you tremble a little bit, right? And that was really good for our relationship, to have that community and that accountability in the context of the family. It wasn't done in isolation. We were figuring out if we wanted to to pursue each other today to get married in the context of her family. It didn't happen just her and me making this decision. So the key point is we need to trust God for a future spouse in the context of God's people, whether that's your parents. It should be your parents. If your parents are believers, if your parents are Mature believers, you absolutely want them involved in that process, in that prayer. Maybe it's your friends. You should definitely have friends involved. Maybe it's the counselors in this class, right? Maybe it's pastors, siblings. I can tell you this. I absolutely want to be involved in that process with you, right? And so let's say maybe you're thinking, well, I'm 14, 15 years old. My parents gave me permission today. Okay, I'm not going to tell you you're bad for dating, but I want to know who it is. I want to be involved in that process with you. Let me support you in prayer. Let me give you some advice. Let me, you know, like, let me be involved. I think there's wisdom there from Proverbs eleven fourteen, And the multitude of counselors are safety. So what we're going to do now is, is we're going to draw our last principle and application for this morning from the same passage, verses seven through 10. Um, but in Genesis 24, 1, 1 through 10, let me ask you this question. What is Isaac seeking? What did we talk about Isaac seeking after? His spouse. Is he? Is Isaac seeking his spouse? Yeah. He is? What's it say? What's Isaac after? I don't know. Maybe if you find it, you, you can read better than I can, but I didn't see it. <clears throat> so Isaac, Isaac is the one who's getting paired with Rebecca. Isaac isn't even on the scene. He's not anywhere to be found. Until afterwards, when she's on her way back, spoiler alert, they find Rebecca, the servant, and his, his posse, and they bring Rebecca back. They get married. Oh. It's awesome. Sorry. But Isaac isn't seeking after a wife. Who is it? Who, what, who is making this happen? His father, Right. Isaac is not seeking after a wife, and neither should you. So Proverbs 18.22, let's do a really quick study. Let's look at some particular words. Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Notice this says, whosoever findeth a wife, not seeketh after a wife. Right? Well, Jeff, how am I supposed to find a wife if I don't seek after her? How am I supposed to find a boyfriend or a husband if I don't seek after it? Well, I'm glad you asked that. What do we know that the Bible says we should seek after? Did someone say water yes. What did you say? What should we seek after? In Colossians three one and two. What should we seek after? If you then be reasoned with Christ, seek those things which are above, whereas Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. So you should be seeking the things of God. You shouldn't be giving your heart to some boy or some girl, whoever will take it, whoever will reciprocate your affection. You should be giving that affection to the Lord. That's what the Bible clearly says, right? Okay, so, so how do I find a spouse through that? Well, Key point of quality, number three is this. Trust God with your future. Give your whole future, spouse, career, education, give all of that, trust that to God by not seeking after it and trying to figure it all out. Trust God with your future by seeking God with your heart now. God is more than capable of providing the perfect spouse for you. But here's the reality for this relationship series. There's a lot of time. There's going to be a lot of work. There's going to be a lot of ministry. There's going to be a lot of growth that happens until the moment where you find this future spouse and realize, I'm going to marry this person. There's going to be a lot of time. You're not going to find that this year because no one in here is out of high school. And no one in here is going to get married before you graduate high school. No, you might prove me wrong. Okay. You know what? I I love this person. We've been dating since third grade. Okay. You go be the statistical anomaly. Like you go you go beat the system. Good luck with that. Yeah, those work out great for people. Huh? If you're twenty three in high school, you desperately need this relationship series. Right? There's so much time. And so what you can do right now is not be looking for who that person is, but be looking for God to be involved in your life and leading your life. And he's going to provide what you need. You can trust God with that. You can, as hard as that may be. And so let's be full of faith and just trusting God to take care of us. Can we do that? Isaac trusted his father to take care of him. Dad's got it. I'm not going to worry about this. Okay, can you say that? Your dad's got it. You ain't got to worry about it. You ain't got to worry about it. Right? God will provide whoever you need when it's time. And it'll be time when you're both believers, when you're both men and women of God, and when you're both finding one another in the context of friendship, in the context of this church. And there's going to be blessing there. Does that make sense? You with me? These are pretty fundamental things. A lot of these things, you already knew them, and that's really good. Okay, that's really good. Some of you are like, I don't like any of that, because that means I can't do what I want. Well, that's okay. Keep coming back, okay? Just keep letting the word change the way you think and change how your heart feels. Let God do that, okay, because you can trust this book. So let's pray, and then we'll be done. Um, but I Well, I actually have I have one last thing I want you to do, but I want to pray first, and then I'll give you one last little task, and we'll be done early, okay? Cool. Okay, let's pray. God, thank you for the students in this room. God, thank you for, um, thank you for your word. How you make it so clear for us to, um, to know, you know, really how you're going to provide for us and what you want for us in our lives. You know, God, we 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 think so much about what we want in life and and what we want our life to be and how we want to make our lives and and sure that's. That's all good and well or whatever. But God, we get to know what you think about our lives and what you want to make of our lives. We get to, we get to see how, how you want us to, to live and how you want us to find a spouse someday. And those are crazy thoughts. Those are thoughts for the future. But God, you give us just a simple, clear message to just trust you. To trust you. To obey you and that you'll take care of the rest. God, help us to receive that. That can be so hard when we're teenagers. I know for myself, to hear this message, I would probably have left frustrated and discouraged because I had a girlfriend in high school, and, and I knew that you wanted me to, to not be in that romantic relationship the way I was. And So maybe there's people in this room who are in that same place. God, just give them grace. Maybe some of us need to break up with a uh not a spouse, but break up with a a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe that's what you would lead us to do. Um, And that's what trusting you looks like. Maybe trusting you looks like praying more diligently for that future spouse. I don't know if that's important, but God, help us to just obey you. Help us to trust you. And um, yeah, God, you'll take care of us. We believe that. And we just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.